Hello everyone and welcome to episode 52, is it really 52, of Beyond the INC. The podcast that has a massive election and always likes to get involved in a mass debate. We're back to business today as usual, as you can see, after the night train special that we brought you last time. It's not the end of those, in fact next week we'll be bringing you the second of our specials dedicated to the release of the EP. But first, we had a lot of catching up to do, so this time we're going to be focusing on some of the things that you might have missed over the past few weeks. We'll be talking about the somewhat stilted release of Stop For A Minute. We'll be sharing our outrage over the inflated price of tickets for the band's tour in June. We'll dabble a little bit in politics. And we'll continue to cling to the hope that the band might yet play in the fields of Avalon this summer. So, let the catching up commence as we start today's episode of Beyond the ANC. To prevent boredom during the band's hiatus, Tom has been moonlighting as a grime and dubstep DJ in Brighton under the name DJ Beef Curtains. Now, it's not every week that Keen become major national news, but this week Richard managed to push Keen right up to the top of the news agenda in less than 140 characters. Now, the story began when a far-right British political party, known as the Conservatives, or the Tories to use their street name, decided to use Everybody's Changing as a warm-up song for the audience at the launch of their campaign at Battersea Power Station in South London. It wasn't part of the show, but it was heard in the background during the live news coverage of the event. Now, Richard was incensed, and he immediately hit Twitter to say... Told the Tories played keen at their manifesto launch. I'm horrified. To be clear, we were not asked. I will not vote for them. You and millions of the rest of us, Richard. However, during an election campaign, this sort of thing can quickly escalate. Uh, Within half an hour, people were retweeting it everywhere, and it was being reported as a top story by the BBC, uh, by newspapers including The Guardian, and by more down-market sources, like even people like Sky. Yeah, but that's about as far as the story went. Now, you see, as a spokeswoman for the band explained, you don't actually need the band's permission to play their music at a public event, so long as you've got a PRS licence, which means that the, the band get paid if you play their tunes then that's all you need, really. You can be affiliated with whatever, yeah. It's not like an advert where, you know, they specifically need to get permission. Yeah, so with that out in the open, it's all quickly quietened down. And just to draw a line under it, their leader, David Cameron, and if, if you're not familiar with him, he's sort of a fleshy version of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, said he was a great fan of the band. A great fan. So, just in case you're listening, David, we'd just like to say... Fuck off. And Richard has told us to pass on a message to all of you out there in the UK. He hopes you're all registered to vote. And so do we. So, great news everyone. Stop for a minute is out now. Hooray, get out the bunting. Um, (laughs) But unfortunately, um, Ireland seems to have made sort of a bit of a hash of the release so far. Um, To start with, uh, it came out to buy in some places but not in others even though it was sort of, you know, announced that it was coming out next week, but it was out last week. It doesn't make much sense, does it? But I, I'm, I'm confused already. <laughs> anyway, it, it is now out in the UK, and it should be out in most places around the world, although apparently not in Canada. 
I don't know. I don't, you should know. I mean, Chris, you, well, that's I think that's a separate company, but that's all politics. Um, it, if what we do know, know, if anyone should know, Chris should know, and Chris doesn't know. But anyway, it's out in some it's places. It's far now. too boring to explain. But anyway, it came out in the UK last week with very little promotion or fanfare, really. I mean, I've not heard it on the radio at all. I don't think. Do you listen to the radio much? We do occasionally listen to the radio, mostly sort of six music and occasionally a bit of Radio One. Yeah, no, it's it's been very very low profile. I've not seen it on. TV. I, I, I don't know. Unless you were a fan of the band, you wouldn't know that they had a single out now. No, absolutely not. Um, unfortunately, based on the um, the midweek chart, um, which they've only recently started publishing um, mm-hmm. for all, um, it's currently going to miss the top 100. That's pretty low, isn't it? Um, it's pretty awful, actually. Um, I think this will be the first time that a lead track from the band has missed the top 30. Um, certainly the first to miss the top five if you exclude spiralling, seeing as it was downloaded, you know, over a million times from, uh, when it was, you know, available for free. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not selling very well, to be quite honest. No, I think people just don't know about it. I think, to be honest, Ireland don't really know about it. They're, they're sort of unsure as to what they're trying to achieve with it. because um, I mean, we, you know, we both love it. It's a great pop single. Definitely. Um, but... I think they're not quite sure how to handle it because um, we said this maybe 20 or 30 episodes ago that Ireland seemed to treat Keen as very much an album band now. It's all about trying to drive sales of the record itself. So they don't tend to go for the big first week single, you know, like head for the top 10 kind of thing. Hmm. So they're not quite sure whether they want to have a big single um, before the EP comes out with, you know, that, that you know top five chart position. Um, which they've done in the past when Is It Any Wonder went top five, or whether instead they just want to have a real sort of slow burner um, to be out there and it will eventually get onto the radio in a couple of weeks' time and it will just sort of grow organically around the time that the EP comes out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, obviously this is all quite kind of tactical and business talk. It's, yeah. it's a shame, really, because I think as a song, it's right up there with Somewhere Only We Know and Is It Any Wonder as, as sort of big keen anthems, I think. You know, they're the ones that I can imagine them playing at basically every show from now until yeah. until the end of time. I think, to be honest, it would benefit from there being a little bit less calculation and cynicism about it and just saying, you know, shit, we've got a great song here. You know, why don't we... Let's promote the hell out of it let's get it on radio hmm. let's plug the hell out of it there seems to be almost a bit of embarrassment about it i mean the, the version on radio 2 didn't even have the rap in it um yeah radio 1 haven't played it because it's not poppy enough there's sort of that apologetic first play sort of almost like an obligation on fern cotton's show and then i don't think it's been played on radio 1 since really um obviously radio 2 not playing the rap version it's you know you said it's not been on six too mainstream for them um Basically, no one seems to know where it fits, and I think that's the problem, that they need somebody, you know, like the, the radio plugger, or, you know, somebody telling them that, you know, this is a great song and really pushing it, and no one's really doing that. Maybe, I mean, maybe that'll all happen when the album comes out, and there's more, obviously it makes more sense to put a spotlight on the album as a whole, and I think this is a great lead track, a great focus track. Yeah. EP, Chris. Not album, EP. Sorry. Gotta be really clear. Anyway, if you like it, go out and buy it because it's out there now. Just don't expect to see it in the top ten anytime soon. The other big news at the moment is that, in addition to the Forest Tour, which is coming up in June, five more gigs have been announced. Okay, now first of all, the band will be launching their EP at the infamous Fridge Nightclub in Brixton, South London. A venue with a somewhat checkered past, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, in the uh, 80s and 90s, it was quite a popular haunt uh, that played host to some 
big live shows, but uh, in the past decade, its reputation has been tarnished by a series of major drugs busts. Um, we'll, we'll play down the specifics of that, but anyway, it's now back under the management that oversaw it back during its heyday. Oh, um, is that right? I'm, I can remember reading somewhere that it was part of the, the new romantic scene, um, but I, I'm basically trying to recall something that I read a good two or three months ago. But anyway, it's um, it's trying to re-establish itself as uh, a big live music venue now that London's lost the Astoria, where they did, the, you know, one of their... Uh, was it Under the Iron Sea, the launch show there? Yeah, and what better band to launch with than a squeaky clean keen? Exactly. Yeah, so we've both got tickets to that, and I guess we might as well do an episode whilst we're there. So. Yeah, why not? Cool. Um, it's an 1100 capacity venue, and unfortunately tickets are sold out. Anyway, as well as that date, the band have now announced four dates in mid-June between the Forest dates, and they've described these as intimate club dates, although they're actually in quite big venues. Um, uh, the Roundhouse in Chalk Farm, North London, uh, the New Academy in Birmingham, the Barrowlands in Glasgow, and the Olympia in Dublin. All big names. Now, uh, that's great in itself, and I think most of the band's fans would relish the chance to see them back in some of these venues that, you know, they've not really played any of these since, like... 2004 when they were playing clubs and theatres yeah when, when that was that was that was the biggest venue that they could play before there was a you know a big production and everything yeah, yeah. but what's not great is the amount of money that they're charging for you to see these shows now the intimate club show at the fridge is going to set you back 25 pounds it's the same that they charge for the show at the forum um, when they launched Perfect Symmetry. Yeah. And that's right at the top end, I reckon, of what's acceptable to charge. You know, when you're playing a, a you know quite a small club or a theatre and you're limited in what you can do anyway, yeah. um, there's not going to be a massive production. So £25 is, you know, pretty much like top level. It's not going to be like the O2 where they had, you know, an, an in-between set and a big massive production and, and all bells and whistles. Yeah, or, or if you go and see a stadium show, you, don't, you know, you don't mind paying, you know, £40 to go and see a show at a stadium with fireworks and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But anyway... Um, these shows are going to cost you £32.50. Unbelievable. Mm. Well, it's it's a bit of a joke. I mean, especially when um, the last time they played the Birmingham Academy, um, back in 2004, it was a, a mere £15.50 to get into that show. Um, That's a bargain. When. You know what? I remember paying £3 to see Keane. Isn't that a great anecdote? <laughs> so this has gone up tenfold now. Well, I mean... Just by comparison, if um, the cost of albums had gone up by the same amount as their gig tickets had, you'd be expected to pay £30 or more for a copy of Perfect Symmetry. Unbelievable. Yeah, so the ticket price was conspicuously absent from the announcement of the dates on the uh, email that was sent around to fans, and on the on the website, surprisingly. So a lot of fans who logged on at 9 o'clock to buy their tickets were absolutely gobsmacked. I, I know I was. I mean, I, I'm not sure what I was expecting for that. VIP yeah. tickets? I know the, the thing is, if you don't know how much it's going to cost in advance, you you know you can't really make a judgment about it. But once you you added your ticket to the the um, shopping basket, and then the handling charge, and then the postage, which I, I should point out is mandatory. You can't pick your tickets up at the venue, which is especially annoying for anyone who's coming from abroad. Your ticket is going to cost you well over forty pounds. And if you're buying three or four tickets, that's a lot of money. It's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, on our Twitter, there was quite a lot of anger, really, from from lots of fans. Um, just one example: past podcast contributor Mart, good good friend, friend of the show. Yeah, he told us he's not going to be going to his local show at the Barrowlands as he can't afford to buy a ticket. Poor Northerner. Literally, it's a very sad day. Anyway, just to you know, to go serious again, it's a very sad day when big fans of the band are just priced out of seeing them live. 
Yeah, we, we can't really work out why these shows cost so much. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the price of tickets isn't set by the band, is it, Chris? It's I, I'm not entirely sure how it works. There, there was a piece in The Guardian about who does what on the live circuit. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the promoter and the booking agent have got the most influence over this. Hmm. But anyway, I think, you know, we'd both like to think that they'll be looking again at it, wouldn't we? I'd like to think so, yeah. So anyway, tickets for these shows, which, not surprisingly, are nowhere near sold out, are on sale now. Buy a pair if you're a high roller. The promotion for the EP is slowly cranking into life, or at least as much as it can, seeing as the band are currently on hiatus. Yeah, the video for the single premiered about two weeks ago and was praised. Arguably, it's been the best video the band have produced since, I guess, Is It Any Wonder, really? We were just running through the um, the videos since Is It Any Wonder. Some of them were shocking, weren't they? There haven't been a lot of highlights. I think Perfect Symmetry was quite a good one. But, uh, Actually, can, can you think of a worse music video than the video for The Lovers Are Losing? Christ, that was bad. I, I still don't understand it, oh, to be honest. I'm it was so, such a bad video. Um, yeah, anyway... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the video for um, Stop for a Minute was directed by Dan Sully and it featured um, quite a lot of extras. Uh, Tom and Kanan were the only moving characters in this sort of photo montage of a night in one of those nondescript sort of East London bars, um, mostly filled with complete tossers. No offence to the extras. Anyway. It's it's a bit like I described it, or a bit like I predicted, I think, wasn't it? That, uh, you know, they'd be moving and everyone else would be stuck. Yeah, um, although that is incredibly go- vague. Well, no, I, th- I think I got it spot on. Um, I mean, we love it. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Great video. Yeah. Uh, most people do, but it has drawn some criticism in Kiernan's native Somalia. Yeah. Um, some contributors to somchat.com, which I've got to be honest, we haven't visited that regularly before um, Kiernan came involved with Keen. Um, they were critical of him appearing in a bar. He's teetotal. And for cavorting with a pretty brunette girl, because he's married. Hmm. Well, there's a short behind-the-scenes video of the making of uh, online now at keymusic.com. Not too much to say about it, really, but I think male fans should watch it, if only for a glimpse of band P.A. Beth looking especially winsome. That's a good word, winsome. It is. Winsome. Definitely applicable. Also, listen. Very good. Anyway, in between the shooting of the video, Tom had the chance to sit down in a very comfy-looking chair and record a series of track-by-track videos, giving his own insight into the making of the EP. And they're gradually filtering down onto the official site. I like the way you said chair. It's actually, you know, it's a, a genuine throne. It is. Genuine throne in the middle of a massive room. You, you'd think that was an extra for the uh, for the video shoot, but it's not. It's, he just takes it wherever he goes. Yeah, that's, that's actually Tom's house. Um... Yeah, they're, they're sort of rather nicely accompanied by these instrumental versions of the tracks from the EP themselves. So everything that you hear in the background, that's the track in question. But obviously with the vocals stripped out because they don't want to just give you the track for free. Um, if you want a preview, that's the place to go, I reckon. Hmm. Additionally, some online stores have started offering uh, little preview clips of the tracks too, but we uh, wouldn't recommend you go and listen to them because it's, it's pretty hard to sort of contextualise a song from 30 seconds, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've always fa- I don't know, I, I've always found it very difficult to, you know, I used to try and spoil it for myself for, you know, albums I was really looking forward to, and I just ended up feeling sort of disappointed and empty. It's not even the best <laughs> bit, it's just literally from 30 seconds in for 30 seconds. Yeah. Don't go peeking at your Christmas presents before it's time to open them, kids, because you might just end up disappointed. Yeah, I suppose it's easy for us to say, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just a quick note about uh, Tim and Jesse's side project, Mount Desolation. 
Yeah, they're going to be playing their first show in London on June the 4th. It's going to take place at one of our favourite venues in the city. That's uh, the Luminaire in Kilburn, which actually wasn't too far from where the squat used to be when we first recorded Beyond the INC. And how we miss it. Um, yeah, we don't actually have too much to say about this, because... Um, as far as Mount Desolation itself goes, there's very little information around, and in a way, I think we'd rather enjoy the mystique of it for the moment than go sort of poking into it. And we know. really are hypocrites, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, but that's that's the way we like it. Jesse only allowed Tim to work with him on Mount Desolation on the condition that he agreed to grow a beard of at least three inches. Beyond the Let's talk festivals quickly. Festivals. The band are locked in for a few over the summer already, but not in the UK. They've been announced for Mile High in Denver, Oshaga, Oshaga, Oshaga in Montreal, and Superbox Superrock in Lisbon. If those are local to you, awesome. As of today, though, those are the only dates outside the UK that have been announced so far. Now, as far as UK festivals are concerned, um, there's obviously nothing been announced, but speculation about a surprise appearance at Glastonbury continues. Yeah, in the pro column, they're going to be playing dates around the festival with four shows on the Friday and Saturday. They're huge fans of the festival. Um, Michael Evis, who runs the festival, I'm sure you've heard of him, uh, he likes the band. And I think you might remember two years ago, Richard Ashcroft announced on stage that Michael Evis would have liked Keen to headline instead of uh, instead of the Verve. Although I think many people thought he was just being a bit offhand. Hmm. Well, uh well, that's the pros. On the negative side, um, I suppose it's quite hard for the band to play three full-on shows in three days, mm. um, both logistically and sort of from a physical point of view. Yeah, they're in Staffordshire on the Saturday, and they'd have to get down to Somerset for the Sunday. And it's you know it's obviously quite difficult to get onto a onto a festival site like that. And the Glastonbury lineup's now been announced, and most slots that the band could have played on the Sunday have now been filled. But if we go right back to our interview with Tim in December. It seems like the will is there. I'll tell you what's annoying about the Forest Tour is that we're going to be missing you two at Glastonbury. Are you going to be at Glastonbury in any other capacity? <laughs> well, I'm very eager to get down there, as is Tom. Um, I, It's going to be logistically difficult, but uh, I would like to think that it's not impossible. Um, I don't think... Um, I think it would be tricky for us to do anything substantial. So yeah, as he said, nothing substantial. Um, So we could yet see them opening up the festival on a Sunday, or doing something low-key somewhere around the festival, maybe? It's fun to guess, isn't it? Richard divorced his first wife after she agreed to stand for the Conservative Party in Kettering Borough Council's elections in 1999. That is just about all from this edition of Beyond the ANC. Can you believe that we've been doing this for two years now? Yeah. Yesterday was the second anniversary of our pilot episode, and I think we're still going as strong as ever. Thank you very much, everyone, uh, for all your support over the two years. You know, without your emails and tweets and, and contributions and kind words, we just we would have given up a long time ago. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we wouldn't, we couldn't, and we wouldn't have done it without them. And the band's help. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks to everyone who's been there for us. So, going from looking back to looking ahead. With the release of Night Train drawing ever closer, we want to have as many reviews of the EP as possible from you guys, uh, you know, as soon as you hear it. Yeah, we want to know which tracks you love, which you hate, 
what you wish there was more of, what you would have gotten rid of, everything really. Touch base with us via email on mailbox at beyondtheinc.com or via Twitter at twitter.com slash beyondinc. Next time, we'll be bringing you the second of our Night Train specials, our very own guide to the EP, complete with track-by-track reviews and more. So until next time, goodbye.